Welcome to episode number 157 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording right here in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, which is reminding you to reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost. Avoid using those single-use products whenever possible because you are putting your reusable shopping bags in your car and bicycle after you unload them every time at home. Also supporting this episode comes from the Deli at Jackson Hole Marketplace. They're using the freshest ingredients, fresh baked bread, boar's head meats to build certain yum in your belly. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. Welcome back all of you experienced listeners and welcome for the first time listeners as well. Please get out there and give this podcast a rating, share it with friends and family so other people can enjoy the stories that you are connecting with. We all have stories to share. And the people sharing their stories are the same people we see walking around the streets, riding the chairlift with in the wintertime or out on the trails in the summer. By sharing stories, we all can learn and grow from each other. And that will help us all live full lives. Today's guest is a celebrity or influencer in the social media world who has called Jackson Hole her home for the past 13 years. That's right, Megan Murtaugh, or in the social media world, Meg the Egg, which, as she says, is ironic because Megan just learned she's recently allergic to eggs. Megan has the spirit and drive of an entrepreneur who loves to showcase the community of Jackson Hole. As the former owner of a magazine franchise, which was highlighting our community, Megan has always curated the content she posts online and believes in the importance of separating social media world from the personal world. Now Megan is helping the Travel and Tourism Board educate tourists about Jackson Hole and the rest of Wyoming. So remember tourists to be better tourists. Megan, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Lovely to see you. Nice to see you too. We are enjoying a early fall, somewhat clear day today here in Jackson. The smoke is, we got a lucky day where it subsided a little bit. Yes, it's beautiful. And I am curious to know your background. So I'd like to start there with how long have you lived here in Jackson? Where'd you come from and grow up? And let's start and in that world, okay. if you want to. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Ohio. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. And I went to University of Colorado in Boulder for undergrad. And when I was there, I worked for a commercial um, realtor. And we were doing projects in these different mountain towns around the West. And uh, I just, I had part of going to school there, like my friends and I made a point to try to go to as many different ski towns and ski while we could while we were in college. Um, And I just knew that I didn't want to, I wanted to be out West. I didn't really know where. And my old boss, I actually moved to New York City after I graduated and I hated it. (laughs) 
And um, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, like New York's great. I also think when you're like 22 and making no money, it's like really hard to live in New York City. So anyways, I got a call from my old boss in Boulder and he came up to Jackson to at the time there used to be this company called it was like it was basically like a luxury you know membership thing where they, they'd buy these houses all over the world and then you could pay to go and stay at them and I after the recession it was no more but at the time he came up here to look at property to help them with that and he met Dave Spackman and who passed away um, last year sadly he but Anyways, he told me, he was like, you need to come out and just meet this guy. Like, he's amazing. He knew that I was really interested in real estate, not so much the commercial side, but in a mountain town. And so he set it all up and I came out and I met met Dave and his two sons and they offered me a job a couple of weeks later and they were just amazing in amazing family and people to work with to kind of get my foot in the door in Jackson Hole. So yeah, I've been, and that was in 2008. And I really thought I'd be oh, here. perfect time to move. <laughs> yeah, especially in real estate. It was like the best time. I moved here in August 2008 and then the market crashed. So I learned a lot. <laughs> well, I bought my home in June of 2008. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I still live there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. We'll see there. Then that was a good investment. Yeah, it was. So you moved here in 2008 mm-hmm. and you had an entrepreneurial spirit. You have one. Mm-hmm. And you started a a business while being here outside of the real estate world. Yes, I did. That was in 2014. And that happened because I was doing real estate and I really got into the kind of the reading blogs and like the blogging social media world in my like, you know, mid 20s and I I would go home to Ohio And people would be like, where do you live? Like, are you in Montana? Are you in Utah? Like no one knew where Jackson Hole was at that time. And I really loved photography. So I was like, well, what if I just like start a blog for my family and friends back home so they can see like how cool it is where I live, you know, and show these like amazing places. And I started doing that. And then it like got traction and the blogging world kind of took off. And then I just really fell in love with like like showcasing Jackson Hole and like really this the small businesses here. And I found there's this company. It's based out of Charlottesville, Virginia. But basically, uh, I started the Scout Guide Jackson Hole here in in town. And their business model is they um, you essentially buy the franchise, but you're the owner, the editor. And you kind of curate it to showcase your town. And I just like love, that was kind of what I wanted to do in some way online. And I didn't really know like the best way to do it. And they kind of gave me the tools to um, make it really cool. And um, it was awesome. It was a lot of work. And I did that for five years and it's still going on strong. I sold it to this wonderful woman named Jill. And um, it's been really cool to see her take it and kind of make it her own. And I want to go back to... The part about when you started with the blogging and getting into mm-hmm. that type of world. I was reading your bio and you put in there that you're an influencer. Yes. And I I can't say that I've knowingly spoken to many influencers. Mm-hmm. So what does it feel like to be an influencer? Well, and, you know, and how do you get to be defined as an influencer? Well, you know, it's funny because we were talking before this started of kind of like imposter syndrome. And like, it took me a really long time to even like admit that that is like what 
I do. And I think people now, and it's like very part-time, like I do it mainly for fun, but it is like a little side hustle and it's opened a lot of doors for me, which has been awesome. But um, yeah, I think for a long time, people were like, didn't understand what that word meant. They didn't really understand how it worked. And I think in the last you know couple of years, people are realizing what that means and like what people do. And I would be considered like in the influencer world, like a micro influencer. There are people who are like, you know, have way bigger followings than I do and they do it full time. And yeah, so it's kind of, I, I'm, it's funny that I put that in there. I didn't realize I put that in there because I, it's probably the first time I've admitted that that's like part of, of who I am. <laughs> so you're a micro influencer. Yeah, I'd say how that. Many, how many followers do you have and on what platform? So my biggest platform is definitely Instagram. And I have like 20,000 followers and change. And that fluctuates, but stays around that number. And and what does it mean to be an influencer? I mean, do you go buy something and post it and you, they sell a thousand more of them? So I guess like the best way to like explain that world, because it is, it is you know, this new kind of world, retail world too. But you basically build this following and people follow you for a number of reasons, but they, you build this trust with your, with your followers and your readers and you build these kind of relationships where they, you know, they, they like you for whatever reason. And if let's say like people really like my style and they want to know like where they can find, you know, like cool boots, that would be great she probably knows because she lives in the mountains and like she has to wear boots every day. It's really cold there. Like maybe she'd she'd be the best person who I should go to to find new boots. So if I posted boots that I think are really awesome and great, the idea is that I would work with a brand and I would be kind of promoting their product for them. And they would either pay me or I get paid based on like how how many times the boots sell, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. it's It's marketing. It's kind of like like a, you're the face of um, different brands and different, uh, I mean, it can't, it's not just retail. I mean, it can be like, like I work with uh, the travel and tourism board for mm-hmm. Jackson Hole. So it's, it can kind of go in different routes, but it could be food. It could be mommy bloggers. It could be a home person or whatever the world is that you're following online. There is an influencer for it. <laughs> I've, I've heard from some folks who's, kids are now reaching the age to where they're going to start entering the workforce Mm -hmm. and they're, they're getting out of college and the kids are saying, I'm going to be an influencer. (laughs) (laughs) And and my response was great. What are they going to do in the time to get to the point where they're influencing anybody and what are they going to influence? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, the world of like, if you can find like a niche that's like really honed in on it, on something and you're kind of, it doesn't really matter how many followers you, followers you have, but if you can build an, like a following and a group for something that's missing in the world, then a brand will work with you. So like someone could be like, all they do, they're a baker and all they bake are brownies and they're like the brownie person. There are bloggers out there who they're like food and they like, you know, they might just do dessert or they might do, you know, all sorts of cuisines. But if the more like you narrow it down, you can kind of build an audience based off of it. And it's wild. And it's just that's how the Internet is. And like you can build anything today. 
And, you know, if you, if you're, if you, everything online, you can figure out. So like, if you, if someone wants to be an influencer and that's really want what they want to do, they can figure out how to do it. Now, do you su- separate your personal interests from your interests for being an influencer for purpose, those purposes? Yes, I definitely curate what I put online. And it's also a weird, weird world where like, I think a lot of influencers, um, part of just being who you are and like seeing your day-to-day life, like makes you more relatable to your followers. And so they feel more of a connection with you and they, that trust is stronger, but there's a fine line of like sharing too much Mm. and privacy issues. And like, like I would never post like, Hey, I'm going to be going to this restaurant at 7 PM on Friday you know, like can't wait for my reservation or something like that, because that feels a little unsafe to me. I'll post about it afterwards, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't let anybody know unless it was like a a sponsored event or something. I don't, I show the inside of my cabin. I never show really the outside of my cabin. I don't really want people to know where I live. And back to your question about like curating what I post personally versus what I think will, will perform well. Yes. I definitely try to keep it to what I know that people are interested in, in seeing and hearing about, but I will, I will throw in things here and there and just see like, Oh, are people even interested in talking about this? Like with mental health, like I have been vulnerable online with, about mental health and turns out people really want to talk about that. But that wasn't something that I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a mental health blogger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just kind of evolved that way. I'm, I'm curious to know what you have put out there for mental health and, and what the engagement has been been like because it's it's an aspect of health that isn't addressed enough. Yeah, no, I think it's becoming more commonplace to talk about, which I think is wonderful because I think just breaking the stigma around talking about mental health or needing help um, is so important, especially after the last how long has this been going on? 18 months or something? Um, COVID. Oh, that thing. Yes. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm like, are we in year two or three? Uh, yeah, I just think it's really important for people to for it to be normal to talk about what they're going through because every human experiences mental health issues. So it's kind of, it's always been weird to me that it's like, Oh, like you go to a therapist and like you're looked at funny. It's like, no therapy is like the best thing you could do for yourself. But I, I wrote a piece. I had a really, really hard time getting off antidepressants. This was like four years ago. And I wrote a post about it because I couldn't find anything online about like, you know, in my family, they're all, all doctors and I consulted doctors here and it was like, no one could really give me the best route to get off these really powerful drugs. And so I just shared my experience, like how long it took me to get off, what I did, what worked, what didn't work. And I just put it out there. And I mean, the response was, and I still, people still can find that, that blog post when they Google search um, and I'll get random people all the time who will just be like, thank you. I thought I was alone. I thought I was crazy. Like, why is this so hard? Um, And I'm by no means like a medical professional or expert in the mental health field, but I just like shared my experience. And I think that really resonated with people. And that kind of opened a door for me to be like, well, this is why I took my antidepressants. And this is like what I struggle with. And like, you know, I think social media, especially it looks like it's this perfect world but really people are just humans and they're all dealing with their own things. It does look like the perfect world. And, and I, I feel that at times people try to keep up with the world that they see on social media 
versus the real world. So thank you for being so brave to post something uh, to impact people's lives in a positive way that they realize other people go through this as well. I'm sh- I have a feeling that it's easy for the doctors to put you on the medication, but as far as getting you off of it, it's a whole nother story. Yeah. And I mean, everyone's different and I, I think antidepressants are wonderful. I think if you need them, like get on them, I'm totally like, go for it. But I was on them for 17 years and I was like, I cannot be on these the rest of my life. And there wasn't a lot of information out there about getting off after long-term use. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that people just start talking about their feelings, <laughs> especially right now. Yes. And um, you're not the first guest that I've had on the show. And we've we've talked about this. And and, and again, thank you for being brave for, for stating it. Um, I want to talk more about you and being on this online world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you brought up the imposter syndrome as well. You grew a brand, the Scout Guide Jackson Hole, to a successful brand. And you have 20,000 followers compared to probably my 50 followers, but I don't use it or do <laughs> do anything with it. So it's but still, twenty thousand followers. That's more. That's like the size of our community here. Um, now, where do you think you are able to overcome that imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon to go and drive this and build this cr- successful business and become this influencer and not allow the this syndrome to to creep in? and prevent you from reaching a success status? I mean, I think any person online, any influencer, I don't care like how big they are or how small they are. They, they all feel this because it's those damn numbers that you see on social media. And it's like the comparison game. And it's like, I posted about this. She posted about that. Why does she have all this engagement? And like, I didn't get anything compared to that. So that I think is like a real thing. Instagram did just start hiding the likes on uh, your post, which I think is kind of, if you look at my post, you you can't see how many people have liked it. I can see it on the back end, mm-hmm. but that's like a little shift in your psychology when you're looking at your phone um, as a follower, as an influencer, as someone who is also an influencer is looking at another influencer's page where I think I don't know. It just kind of makes me, it makes me want to just post for the sake of sharing, like of, of telling a story of showing like a visual story. And it's not so much this comparison game. I think when I started the scout guide, I had been blogging and like locally, just like at a local level, no one else was really blogging at that time. So when I started the scout guide, I was able to tell businesses like, Hey, like I'm going to make this also online, it's going to look like what I've done. And so I think that helped me build the scout guide. And yeah, I think it's like, it's kind of an always changing landscape, but I think the imposter syndrome, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like there are times where I post and I'm like, does anyone care about this? Like no one probably (laughs) cares about this. I mean, it happens all the time, but I do it. I have to tell myself like, just do it for the sake of doing it, like of creating and putting yourself out there and 
if anything, you've got like an online diary that you can look back on in a couple of years and be like, look at this cool picture I shared. Like it doesn't, I feel like it's become like this like big thing that you like, every post has got to have some like meaning and like this huge story behind it. And it's like, what if we all just shared for the sake of like, this is really pretty and I think it's really pretty. <laughs> you know, like Agreed. Why can't something just be what it is? Yeah, um, it doesn't need to be this like, she got more likes than I do. And, you know, it feels like we're adults. Like I don't need to be compared, comparing myself to other successful business business people like it's that going back to mental health it's not good for my own mental health Mm -hmm. but i I don't know if the imposter syndrome like really ever goes away i i bet it doesn't it creeps in for me all the time i think when you make shifts in your business too and you're like trying a new angle or like you are you know doing something a little bit different than you have before i think you it's natural to question like is this am i doing the right thing is anyone going to care? Is anyone going to notice this? And usually it's positive, but sometimes it's not. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we just have to take that leap of faith, Megan. And, and you did it well with taking that leap of faith. And just like coming, moving out here, think about how many people such as yourself have just take that leap of faith to say, I'm moving to Jackson Hole. I mean, remember what our community was like when you moved here. I remember when, what I was like when I moved here in 99, it, it was different. Um, it didn't have a lot of the amenities that we have today. Yeah. I mean, I moved here, I flew out here for an interview and then I went up to Yellowstone and big sky and I literally had a suitcase and I came back here like a week later and I was like, I don't even care if I get the job, like I'm going to make it work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I literally moved here with suitcase. <laughs> thinking I'd be here for a week. Um, I've heard many stories of uh, of the people I've interviewed that came out with as much as you did and sometimes even less. Yeah. I know it's a common theme, which I think is awesome. And like, I like, I feel like our community is made up of really great people that have that similar story, which is wonderful. Yeah. Tetons are powerful, man. When you look at those Tetons for the first time, you're like, this is a special place. The magnetic power of those mountains. I know. Like, they, they, people ask me all the time, like, does does it get old? And I'm like, no. Like, I've never, like, gotten on Highway 22 and not been like, God, those are insane. Yeah. And they're always changing. And, like, it's just, it's pretty beautiful. It is. Megan, we're going to have a, break to have a word from one of our sponsors and then we're going to be right back sounds great teton county solid waste and recycling is reminding you to bring reusable bags with you whenever you go shopping for groceries or your favorite items around town reusable bags are good for the environment and your wallet remember to wash those bags frequently to keep the germs away and off your food when you get home and have unloaded those shopping bags Put them back in your car so the next time you go shopping, you know exactly where they are. Food waste composting in addition to yard waste composting is available at the Trash Transfer Station. Call 307-733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operation. And additional support for this episode comes from the Vault of Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole's 
only climate-controlled wine storage facility. Give them a call, 307-248-6392 to connect today. Remember, you can collect today and indulge tomorrow. Megan, welcome back. We were just talking about the Tetons, the magnetism that those mountains have. There's there's something in there. I think there's some um, folks from the Wizard of Oz in there working their mechanics and <laughs> um, inside the mountains that draw us to it. And you had somebody ask you, does it ever get old? Or And I, I can't imagine for anybody that seeing those mountains get old. I hope not. Cause if they did that, you saw, I think something is really wrong with you. <laughs> now, have you, have you had the opportunity? I, I'm sure you have of the number of years that you've been here to see the mountains from the other side. Yes. And where did you see them from, from the other side? I think the first time I saw them on the other side was when I was driving, I drove through Victor and Driggs um, up to Big Sky. Mm -hmm. And I loved that because I would, before I lived here, I lived in Colorado and I just thought it was so cool that you could like literally see the backside of a mountain range. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you can see, I maybe elsewhere, but like, you're like, oh, it's literally that line, but backwards. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was so cool. And it really does. I think it looks like a shark fin over there. Um, It's beautiful. It's just like such a special mountain range. It, it is. Now, being a person of influence in the world of social media, when you, you might still do this because my apologies, again, um, I'm not huge on social media, so I'm, I'm not a follower. Um, if um, I am a follower. change that. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I've got two little kids at home and I... I would much rather give them time. Yeah, my apologies. Very true and valid. I am kidding. I mean, we traveled with my sister this spring and she was on it, looking up information, very valid. And I'm like, how does anybody have time to do all this stuff? I just, I just don't know. But where I was going with this is there's a way to hide when you share pictures on social media. So you can share the experience without potentially causing harm to the place. Yes. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because you said that you, you do work for the travel and tourism board. And I know that's part of their, mm-hmm. their mission is to protect the place. Yes. And I think, uh, you know, something that was an issue with social media and it still is an issue, but in with Google maps, it's like, if you geotag a place. So like if I go to a place and like drop a pin, and you can be anywhere in the world. I can share that with people and they can find that exact space or place. But the problem is out here, one, a lot of these places, like we don't want to have overrun with crowds. It's just would be too much on the ecosystem. And they're supposed to be, you know, meant to be these sacred places. But I think a big problem is that what people would go up to certain high, high mountain lakes and would tag the lake Think, like thinking no problem, but then if someone clicks on that tag, they'll, they won't necessarily know how to get to the lake and people, you know, will just kind of find their way and it might not be on the right trail or the best trail or the safest trail. 
And then they get up there and they share it again and it gets shared and shared and shared. And now it's like not this special place. And it wasn't really meant to have all these people there all the time. So the travel and tourism board a couple of years ago, I worked with them on a campaign of like, don't geotag, let it be wild. If you are interested in finding a high mountain lake in Jackson Hole, like find a guidebook, talk to a ranger, like figure out how the best route for you. But, and you can share a picture. You just don't, you don't need to tag where, where it is. So then for instance, when I think this is, thank you for sharing this information. So we'll get, we're going to get more into the socially responsible social media sharing, which I am ignorant to because <laughs> I just don't share that much stuff. So my wife and I went hiking to the Indian, uh, up the Indian this past weekend. And I took pictures using my phone. Now, if I share those pictures just to share them saying, hey, we went on a hike today, there's no geotag to that? No. So you have to, there's like a location tag. For uh-huh. So um, going back to the geotag, it's it's a pro, it's a step you have to take in Instagram or I guess Facebook. Yes. Okay. So when you look at like a post, if you look at a post, um, or when you're about to post something, mm-hmm. uh, it'll show you at the top. It'll give you an an option if you want to put a location, which is okay. great for like if you're at a small business or you're at a restaurant and you like show a picture of like your dish or your you know, you're night out with your family and it's promoting like a business. It's like, here, go to that business. But in the wild, it's not always the smartest and it's not always the safest because there are crazy people out there who would just look at that and be like, oh, I'm just going to climb up this way and not stay on a trail, put themselves in harm's way, destroy, you know, the side of the mountain trying to do it. Um, And I think with social media too, like you can take a picture of a really pretty lake but you don't take a picture of the hike there. So I think if someone's just like looking for lakes to go to in Jackson hole and they see this lake or this mountain and it looks really beautiful and they want to go there, but they might not be the best person to, they're not in great shape. They don't have the right gear. They don't know the best time of year to go there. They don't do their research. You know what I mean? Like it's just, that's where the problems are happening. Yeah. You definitely have to know before you go. Yes, for sure. And um, not enough people follow that mantra. Um, and, and I've been very mindful of... I'm very hesitant of posting some of the pictures of places I go hiking. Mm-hmm. There was a few years ago, I went on a hike with some friends and we purposely knew where we were going. And we found some Indian spots, such as some, some rings. We don't know if it was a, a wiki, a ring for a wiki. Was it some sort of prayer hut or, or, or what. And then we also found it, found a spot where there was a wiki as well. Yeah. It was so cool. cool. And you just see the views and, and can get a perspective of, I, I think what they were doing is using some of those spots as scouting spots as migration patterns would come through for, for Buffalo and elk for their Very hunting cool. purposes. And, and I would never want to share something no, like you that. Don't, you don't want like this to be on someone's website or on their Instagram of like the best place to go in Jackson Hole. And then, you know, people Google that and then they're like, oh, I knew where to go. Oh, really- we get destroyed. Yeah, be overrun with people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's, 
it's just smart not to. And a lot of people ask me, like, I, I probably share like 10% of my life on the internet. Like there, I have so many hikes and things that I like to do in Jackson that like are beautiful. And I would love to share, but I'm like, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. This is for me. These are for my friends. This is like a local spot. I'm not blowing this up because you got to keep something special. That's right. That's right. And it's usually, it's more fun too. like, think of the special places in the park that you discovered like with a friend or like someone took you there and like showed it, like you have a special memory of like finding it for the first time. Be like, I didn't even know this place existed. Um, And I think putting everything on the internet, that's where it's like, I don't think that's cool. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective and working with the travel and tourism, are there other socially minded practices that people should follow in the world of, of social media and, and nature? Um, I think just respect it. And I think like I'm working with them right now, or I have been this summer uh, with an ongoing campaign of just like, in my words of like making tourists, like better tourists, like being cooler about the place. Because I think when people come here, they've never been here for the first time. They see a moose from their car. They see other people get out of their car and take pictures. They think that that's okay. And it's not okay. And so if we can get the word out about like, if you see a moose or a bear or wildlife, like give them their space. You don't need to be posting about it. You don't need to be posting about where you saw it. Just respect this place because you don't want to turn this place into something that isn't beautiful in the future. Could you put some focus on people taking their trash with them and if the yes. trash receptacle is full yes just leave it yes in the parking lot <laughs> yeah no that is like that's part of the messaging it's you know being safe about fires and like leave no trace i mean you think it'd be common sense to take your trash but people from other parts of the country other parts of the world like that's not how they live so you have to remind them <laughs> And a big thing has been like, be nice to local businesses this summer. This is not, mm-hmm. you know, the time to be like expecting the world. Um, just be grateful that you get to go to a really nice restaurant. And like, if you have to wait a little bit to get a table, you have to wait a little bit to get a table. Yeah. And it's also on, on the retail side of it as well. I know I go to some shops on the square and it is just crawling. And my store, the liquor store is just crawling with people and it's stressful. I know we went out to dinner last night and this woman visiting sat next to us and she was so terrible to the waitress. Like that. I like was sitting there and I was like, do I need to film this? Like This woman is out of control. And it was so like entitled and like, I don't know. I was just like, cut these guys some slack. Like they're Mm -hmm. just trying to work. They're understaffed. Like it's so busy here. Like you got a table, just enjoy your meal. And and on the same side, the the workers have to be gracious as well. Oh, um, oh yeah, and this waitress was like she handled it so well, and I was like, sadly, she's probably like had to deal with this all summer, and she just mm-hmm. like has her responses down of like how to respond to someone who is mad that there's something on the menu they don't like. Hmm. Yeah. So I feel for people working in the service industry right now for sure. I I think it just talks about whether you're interacting with somebody in the service industry or you know whatever industry it is it's it's about being kind and thoughtful and take the me out of the situation 
and say, how would I want to be treated in this situation? Or I guess putting that into it and saying, would I treat myself like this? And if I wouldn't, or, you know, hey, if it's, it's the kind of saying, if you wouldn't bring this person home to your grandma. Yeah. So if you're not going to talk to your grandma that way, don't talk to somebody else that way. I mean, it's like, it's a little infuriating to witness because it's like, there's a line out the door. It's like, clearly everyone's trying to get fed, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can understand the frustration, but I'm also like, we're all in the same boat here. Mm -hmm. Let's just all be nice to one another. And especially the people who are working so that you can have a lovely meal. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just like coming, if you're coming to visit Jackson hole, just respect it. And like you would anywhere else. Well said, well said. Now, Megan, what is your Instagram handle? <laughs> um, it is at Meg, the egg at Meg, the egg. Mm-hmm. So backstory on that, please. <laughs> when I had to come up with like a blog name, when everyone was making blogs. This was like, I don't know, 10 years ago. I tried to, I wanted something that was like personal to me, but also kind of unique. And when I was younger, I was called Meg the egg because just by my family, because I didn't have any hair until I was a toddler and it rhymed with Meg. So I just put it up as my blog header, my blog name, and it just stuck. I don't know. (laughs) Like That's all. It's just like a funny childhood nickname. And it's stuck. And it's funny because I'll see people. <laughs> I'll see people who I don't know who are followers and they'll be like, are you Meg the Egg? And I'm like, it's just, it's like kind of endearing to me that like strangers are calling me by my childhood nickname. I think it's really funny. I, I think it's, I think it's very endearing and, and I appreciate the, the real personality or persona that you, you put in. Yeah, it has it. nothing it's to do egg. with eggs, um, which I found out ironically that I'm like highly allergic to a couple of years ago. <laughs> Oh man. Mm. Yeah. I'm sensitive to eggs and dairy and wheat and legumes, but not allergic. Yeah. Food allergies are no fun. No, they're not. And I'm glad that you found out that you're allergic to eggs. I'm sorry that you're allergic to eggs because they're in so much. And I know nothing better than sitting down for breakfast with some nice way. No, I really haven't had. Yeah. I haven't had like an egg in. Hmm almost a decade. And that's kind of weird. Yeah, I miss miss them, but they also make me break out in hives. So I don't miss them that badly. I took protein powder in college and that made me break out in hives. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Not fun. It's not fun. And I didn't gain any weight either. So (laughs) it didn't do its job. (laughs) I mean, I was like flat Stanley. I was so thin. I mean, (laughs) I don't know if you've ever read that kid's book, but yeah, (laughs) I mean, I was pretty thin. Megan, I've so enjoyed getting to catch up and and hear some of your backstory and and hear you share about being socially minded for the world of social media and what it's like to be an influencer. Thank you for being my first Instagram influencer. I love it. Um on as a guest on the on the podcast. Um and well, I this- will I will use my influence to get more people to listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's well, how this works. This, that's, how, that's how this works. Yeah, sure. That's, I love it. I lo- well, you know, going back to what you were saying, you know, looking at the likes, I remember the first few hundred episodes, it's like, 
well, is anybody going to listen? Yes. Oh, my brother and my yes. best friend. Like my mom <laughs> loves all my things, but does anyone else really care about this? But yeah, but you just keep doing it. You keep showing up. I think when you share and you share from your heart, it goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I've heard from other people where they've connected with mm-hmm. people they haven't heard from in a long time. And that's, that's special. And that gives me the encouragement and energy to, to keep doing the interviews to keep doing the podcast. So I love it. It's it's really fun show and you should, yeah, keep going. I will do it. Megan, this has been fabulous. I appreciate your time today. I don't want to keep you any longer than needed. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. You're welcome. Well, take care and we'll see you in the world of social media. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. To learn more about Meg the Egg and her life of business and adventure, visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com, episode number 157. Thank you, everybody who keeps this podcast on the air. That's right, all of you listeners and all of you sharers. In addition to Michael Morey, who does the editing and marketing each week, and of course, the support that my wife and boys give me every day. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.